All right. My wife is copying off. Andy, could you shut the doors for me? Um, my wife is copying off our lesson, so you will have that shortly. But in the meantime, turn to Romans 5. We are going to cover a lot of ground today, a total of one verse. <laughs> one verse today. All right, well, let's pray and we'll get into what the Lord has for us. The Lord, we thank you so much for this book. We thank you for uh, the encouragement it is uh, and how we can uh, know you more uh, through it. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we would be encouraged today in what we learn. In your name, amen. All right, so we just covered chapter 4, which was all about justification by faith, not by works, and how we uh, come to know God in chapter 3 and 4. Uh, obviously, chapter 3 is uh, split in half, where half of 3 is uh, continuing about our sins. Jessica is getting these, so... As soon as we have them, you will have one. <laughs> uh, I can get you those as well. <laughs> Did you uh, catch anything? You had a good time. My brother-in-law went hunting. Well, he's been hunting several times, but it's probably would be better referred to as hiking. And uh, this last time he went hunting, he went with a crossbow, and he actually was able to uh, get a deer, so that was good. All right, Jessica's got her papers, so as soon as Vanna White gives them out, we'll... How's Andy doing? All right, so again, um, Paul is very deliberate and very um, wants to make sure he drives the point home. And today, as I was reading through this, I was talking to um, Dean about the guys that I've been studying and so on, and I told him, I said, man, most of them just took an entire lesson or entire chapter in their book on this one verse. I said, I'm not sure how I could do that. And then I started studying, and lo and behold, we're only going to cover one verse today, because there's, there's a lot in it when you... When you surface read uh, passages, um, and what I mean by surface read, you, you read it and uh, it says what it says and then you move on, um, a lot of times you can miss the real depth of the meaning of the passage and what Paul's 
And, and this section goes, uh, chapter 5, um, the five, verses 1 through 5 are really a, a, a continuous thought. And so I'm going to attempt to go through verse 1 today, and then next week we'll go through t- 1 through 5 and tie it all together. But the statement made here in verse 5 is um, just enormous. So, verse, or verse, sorry, verse 1. Therefore, so the word therefore, obviously we've been talking about justification and, and the meanings and the ramifications of justification. So therefore, having been, having been justified by faith, okay? And we're going we're gonna to really go slowly through this. Having been justified. We're going to stop right there. Justification, as you can see at the top of your page, is a legal declaration. Okay? So, when we are justified... Do you need a paper? When we are justified, um, we are declared what before God? Righteous, or what's another? You can give one to Dean. Is he on security? Okay. Innocent. Okay. Are we innocent? No, we're going to get into that today. All right. But we are declared righteous, which that is um, your first blank there. When we are justified, we are declared innocent. Before God, okay, your bullet point there, we are given God's righteousness. So can I have someone turn to First uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, uh, chapter five and verse 21. Let me see, make sure it might be second. Yeah, it's Second Corinthians. Sorry, Second Corinthians five, chapter five, and verse twenty-one. Okay, so Jesus was made sin for us, so that we could obtain the righteousness of God. This is big statement. So when we talk about the word justification, that is a legal term that we're innocent and given God's righteousness, this is not something that we should just pass over quickly in our reading. You know, um, I'm a fan of those that do read through the Bible in a year. I am not a fan of reading through the Bible in a year as your only Bible study. Because when you read through the Bible in a year, you're just reading like a normal book, right? And you just get through it and you, you see the words and you move on and some of it impacts you and some of it doesn't because, hey, I have got to read five chapters here and so I can't stop and pause. So it is good to read through the Bible in a year um, and, and stay on that schedule so you can really familiarize yourself with the Word of God. But in Bible study... Uh, it is that is not the way to go. You want to slow way down, especially when you get into books like in the book of Romans and so on, and really pick apart what Paul is trying to say, having been justified. Now, 
something else we want to look at here that we're having been the there's religions out there that teach what that we will be justified after we do something um, the Catholic Church teaches that when you get to uh, die you go to a purgatory and then you got to work off and eventually you may become justified it's a gradual eventual type idea Paul here says having been justified by faith this is a um, an immediate okay and that is your next point there justification is an immediate action when we believe and trust God we are immediately justified. It's not something that we have to wait for. It's not something that God has to see, well, do they deserve? We've already seen that we don't deserve uh, justification, and we've seen our sinfulness in, inside of God uh, in light of a holy God. And so, and by no means do we deserve uh, justification. It is given to us freely and immediately. It is an immediate transaction um, to us so that we are um, declared righteous. Uh, all of those statements are really, really um, big deal. When we get down to our third point, um, we'll, we'll uh, go into that even more. Okay. <laughs> now, again, this is going to sound very familiar Okay, justification um, is by faith alone. Have we heard that at all in this class? Yeah, right? That's what, that's what um, this whole class has really been about, about our sin and that justification is through faith. It is not of works, okay? There is no other way to be justified than by faith alone alone. It is a free gift of God given to us by faith. And so he made sure when Paul starts off <coughs> here, he says, therefore, having been justified, and he wants to make sure he drives the point home by faith. Okay, And this is so important because in the area we live in today, uh, it's, it's a works-based salvation, and any salvation or any um, religion out there that talks about salvation or can be saved outside of the biblical uh, understanding is works-based salvation. It's all works-based. So either they have to obey the law, or they have to obey the laws given to them set up by their church, However it works, legalism and all of those things, it's all based upon something they have to do to obtain this uh, innocent status before God. And when we rely on ourselves to obtain that innocent status before God, it is impossible because we are by nature sinful and so the only way that God can look upon you and I as innocent is if we are covered in His righteousness. Okay? So when we start looking at this verse, you can see how pulling it apart, man, there is so much going on in just these few little words. Alright? And so 
we are saved by grace through faith, and is it a gift? What verse do we know that says that specifically? We know that offhand? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, all right? So most of us know that by heart, for by grace we are saved, okay? Getting something we don't deserve through faith. This faith is freely given to us as a gift, and not of ourselves, but as a gift, okay? Not of works, unless anyone should what? Boast. What have we been learning here in chapter 4? Okay, what does it say here about Abraham in verse 2 of chapter 4? For Abraham was justified, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, right? We have nothing to boast in except, and this is Paul's words, we have nothing to boast in except for what? Christ and him crucified. Christ and Him crucified. Amen? It's okay. A good class this morning. We're only going to have one more person. Now that's it. All right. So, by faith, okay? Um, and then the, your next point down there, we are saved by, uh, we are not saved by works of the law. Now, we, again, we've read that Romans 3.20. If you look back, it says that Galatians 2 and verse 16 says the same thing. Just write these down. Galatians 2 and verse 16 talks about we are not saved and there's there's several passages within Romans, Galatians, Col- uh, Corinthians, and Colossians that talk about we are not saved by the works of the law or we are not saved by any works that we can do. Paul is driving this home when he makes the statement, you are justified by faith only. Okay, We are saved only through the faith given to us by God. Very, very important. So you can see we've spent uh, quite a bit of time just on that first section. Now, we're going to spend the majority of our time on the next phrase here. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. And that's where we have our next section down there. We deserve the wrath of God. And this is what I'm talking about when we study the Bible intentionally. We want, to, we want to slow reading down and really see what the author is getting at here. All right? He doesn't talk about the wrath here. He talks about having peace with God. But in order for us to... Why is having peace a big deal if we don't understand why that's a big deal, right? In order to have peace, peace with God, there had to be at some point enmity or a separation or something that uh, separated us from that peace, right? So um, if we now have, because we are justified, we now have peace, there must have been a time where we did not have peace. And that's what we're going to look at here. And so let's... um, I want to see how, how, how our Bible students are this morning. Who knows where Nahum is? The book of Nahum. 
Huh? It's in the Old Testament. All right, first one to get there. Read Nahum 1, chapter 1, 2 through 6. First one to get there. It's be good Bible study. It is in the Old Testament. It's in the latter part of the Old Testament. Nahum. 1, 2 through 6. Okay, so this is talking about God and how He will, God will punish the guilty. And if you really read through that whole section, man, this is a, this is showing how God uh, uh, looks at the guilty, and they will be punished. The guilty will not get away with their sin. If we look in Romans where we're at, God talks about the guiltiness of man. And we'll get there in just a minute. But in Nahum, he's talking about God will punish the guilty. Who is guilty? Everyone. No one escapes God's great punishment. God's wrath upon them. Everyone is guilty of sin is what Romans has really gathered and, and made sure we know. And here, this chapter, or in this book, it's just, God, it's talking about God's wrath towards the guilty. Alright? In Psalms, um, a little more known passage, Psalms 7 and verse 11. Psalms 7 and verse 11 talks about God is a righteous judge. God is righteous in His judge. He never makes an incorrect judgment call on the guilty. So someone want to read Psalms 7 and verse 11. Okay, He has indignant. Why? Because of what? Why would, why would a righteous judge have indignation every day? Because of us, right? Yeah, because we sin every day. We're scum. Why would you ask that? <laughs> yeah, intense wrath. There you go. <laughs> I didn't study that word. That wasn't the part of it. All right, yes, intense wrath. It's, it's, he's, it, it, it's, God is, the, the verse is um, really spelling out that God hates and is angry at sin. 
and his judgment against the world. And we've seen that throughout the Old Testament. What are some major judgments that we have seen from God in the Old Testament? Sodom and Gomorrah, major judgment of God. What did he do in Sodom and Gomorrah? He destroyed the entire city and the inhabitants, and he even judged Lot's wife for turning back and looking, right? He turned her into a pillar of salt. So only three people out of the entire city, and we're not talking, Sodom and Gomorrah was not just a little town. It's a big metropolis type area and God destroyed it because of their sin what's another major uh, because of their sin action that God took his indignation against the world the flood okay we don't know how many people he killed in that we all we know is that he only saved eight he took quite the action against what it was not because he he didn't like him nor that, you know, made a mistake and made the wrong race, right? This was based upon their sinful, continual sinfulness. They only did wicked, and this is what the statement was made about the people of that day, they only did wicked in the sight of God. And God rightly, as a judge, judged them for that and eliminated uh, the people. And we see where God judges the people that come against Israel. We've seen that. We've seen God judge harshly the, even this, this, uh, the nation of Israel, right? Putting them in captivity. We see the, the Tower of Babel, right? They're building a tower to the sky uh, and trying to declare themselves as God, and what does God do? He strikes them down with languages so that they can't understand each other and causes them to disperse amongst the, the, the known world at that time, which was a great judgment against the people. The, the land at that time all spoke one language, and then God split them apart and, and made that confusion there. Great judgment because of sin. We see that throughout uh, the, the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see a lot of stories in the Old Testament how God judges people for their sin. There's individuals uh, that are judged because of their sins. There are nations that are judged. And then there's whole people groups that are judged because of their sin. And what I want to drive home here is that we as a people are guilty. We were to stand in front of God today uh, as, as non-believers, we would be considered guilty in the sight of God. He would quickly be able to put his gavel down and say, I pronounce you guilty for your, the sin against my law. Okay? Okay. Some 
So that verse, you, I mean, you can clearly, clearly see how God is the judge and has indignation every day that, that totally works together in that verse where he is filled up with wrath against people. Okay, uh, The next uh, one there, God is against those who uh, suppress the truth. Okay, this was we learned this several weeks ago in Romans one and verse eighteen. Okay, for the wrath. Okay, this wrath is not just I'm upset. This wrath. This is severe wrath. This wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, so God is against and his wrath will be poured out upon them that suppress the truth and those that are continually in unrighteousness. All right, the next point there, God's wrath is stirred up on the uh, unrepentant heart. Unrepentant heart. If you just go over to the next chapter there in chapter 2 of Romans in verse 5, it talks about God's wrath in the latter part, God's wrath has revealed the righteous judgments of God, and it's because of their heart, their unrepentant heart. Okay? When we look at our world today, when we look at the people around us, uh, when we look at the fallen world, we see a very unrepentant heart, a heart that is hardened towards God and has no desire to uh, worship or to acknowledge Him as God. Uh, you have men that write books on how to be, you know, how to understand atheism and how to not uh, believe that there's a God and that, that we came from uh, molecules that, uh, you know, existed and came together and, you know, formed this and formed that. And they come up, they suppress the truth of God and they lie about God. And you can understand how a holy God that created them in His love could have righteous indignation and anger against these people that willingly... Uh, dispute or fight against the holiness of God. Major deal, okay? And then the last one there, God's wrath is on the people that do not believe. John 3 and 36. I'm going to want to turn to John 3 and verse 36. John 3 and verse 36. If you have it, go ahead. Yeah. He that does not believe, refuses to believe on God, which is all of us before God um, comes to us, His wrath is upon us. Now you might want to, you might think, 
Well, Mark, good grief, this is an exciting verse, and all you've been talking about for the first half of it is God's wrath and this desire to destroy the human race. What in the world is going on? Well, if we don't understand the wrath of God upon sin and upon the human life, we cannot understand why it is such a big deal that Paul would write, we have peace with that God. That God that desires to destroy the wicked for their sin and, and to eliminate them, that God we have peace with. You understand why that's such a big statement now? The God that does, the rightful judge that has the right to destroy you and I because of our sin. Uh, if we remember back here in chapter 3, in verse, uh, in verse 10, there, it says, There is none righteous. And again, if you didn't understand that, no, not one. So if you came this morning thinking at some point in your life you were righteous, Read Romans 3.10 and you'll understand that there is none righteous, not even one. Well, you say, well, how does that work in, in, in the context of you're justified? We are given because of God's faith given to us and Him justifying us, giving us or declaring us innocent before Him. We are given His righteousness. There is none righteous. And the idea given there is no one is righteous upon themselves. No one can become righteous in and of their own works, their own deeds, their own actions. No one can become righteous outside of God's righteousness being bestowed upon us. Big deal. Okay? And because of his justification through faith, all a gift, God has, we have peace with God. Now, we want to talk for a minute about peace, and I don't have this on your paper. I do, but not the statement I'm going to make. Um, you're, you're, the next statement there is there is a great joy in knowing we have peace with a holy and we want to make sure we emphasize that holy god the reason why we don't have peace as the human race with god is because of his holiness because of the law that he set up of how we can please god how do we how can we please god outside of christ's death on the cross there's only one way do we know how that's done fully, completely, from birth, living the law. So there's two ways to salvation. One is through the blood of Christ, and the other is from the moment you are born till the moment you die, you completely and without fail live the law. Those are your two options. 
I much rather take the option that Christ died for me and I trust in him. Seems like a much easier way to live life than to try to, uh, to live out the 600 plus laws given uh, on how we should conduct ourselves. You know, but even if you look at it, if it says you only had to abide by three laws, how many of you think you could Declare yourself righteous if you only had to live by three laws. And one of the laws is you can never have any other gods before God. Before that, before God. We'll just stop with that one. How many of you would say, I could do that, I could be successful on never having putting God in second place? It's not possible. So we, could, we would fail just if we only had to abide by one law. And so it is an amazing thought that God gives us His uh, righteousness and He is a holy God and we can have peace with Him. Philippians 4. Philippians 4 and verse 7. Someone grab Philippians 4 and then someone else grab uh, Colossians 1, 20-22. Philippians 4 and verse 7. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. We can't even completely comprehend His peace. Now, we have peace on earth in certain situations, right? Um, there's been times where presidents have signed peace treaties with war, right? Does that peace treaty last forever? Does America, how, how many, there's probably been more years America has been in war than not in war, right? But there's been times of peace and there's been times of war, and in the world that we live in, no matter where we are, there's times of peace, but at some point that peace ends. How many of you live within a, a husband and wife or have lived in a husband and wife situation? There's times of peace and there's times of war, right? There, it's never just a time of peace. It's never just calm and, and, and peace. Uh, if you've raised children, there's times of peace, there's times of war. All right? And uh, that's the way that we live. And God is gracious to us in allowing us to have times of peace uh, and, and allows us also to go through the hard times, right? But when we understand the peace of God that is given to us, that peace is without under we can't even comprehend it because that peace never ends the peace that you and I that our believers have with God never ceases to end it's not a it's not you know I declare peace and then you know maybe a year down the road God and I are at war no all right now I might I might 
drop out of, you know, in, in my own life and, and have anger against God unrighteously, but God's peace towards us never fails. He will never take out that righteous indignation judgment upon those that he has peace with. Sometimes we fight against him, but he never takes out that wrath like he will on the unbelievers. And so that peace is without understanding. It's, it's uncomprehendable, the peace that God gives us through uh, salvation. Colossians 1, 20 and 22. Through 22. <clears throat> it's good when we study the, the Bible that we look through it and find references that support what you're learning. Make sense? It validates what we're learning. It shows us that what we're learning is accurately taught throughout the whole Bible. If you get into the Bible and you start pulling out a truth, and the only place you can find that truth is in that one Scripture, be careful. Because it's probably you're misunderstanding what that's teaching. You should be able to validate the truths of the Word of God throughout the Word of God. And if you get to a verse that says something and you start to believe, well, I can't find it anywhere else in Scripture, but that verse says X, Y, or Z, whatever it might say, and you can't validate it throughout Scripture, a good chance you're not understanding what that Scripture is saying. And so that's why I try to bring out verses that talk about and validate that we have peace with God. So who has Colossians 1, 20 and 22? Or through 22? Okay. Great. Wow. If you look if you read that verse and really understand, do you realize that Romans three and verse twenty, all the way back through Romans one, we are not held accountable for those sins any longer? We are we are looked at as blameless before the sight of a holy, righteous God that knows your thoughts and deeds before you even do them. And you were counted righteous before Him. And those deeds, and that's where the justification is a legal term. You were declared innocent before God. Why that's such a major deal uh, in the Christian's life and why we should rejoice when we read this chapter or this one verse that talks about we have peace with God, this peace that surpasses all understanding. That we, we don't, even through our Sunday school lesson this morning, when we leave, we 
still will not have a full, complete understanding of that peace. When we look on our sinfulness and how we uh, continually uh, sin and are against God, uh, and God desires to give us His righteousness and declares us righteous and gives us that gift freely uh, and then pronounces us innocent and says there is now peace between you and I. There's a peace. And that peace is a restful, uh, confident peace that we can live in uh, in, in, in God. And what, what an amazing thought that is. And how do we obtain this peace? How do we obtain it in, verse five, in verse, chapter 5 and verse 1? How do we obtain the peace of God? Through Christ. That doesn't give us a list of things that we have to do, right? There's not a huge list of these are the things. If you desire to, to have peace with God, you have to abide by X, Y, and Z. No. It says here that therefore being justified by faith, there is no other way to be justified. We have peace. Amazing thought that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no way to peace with God except through the Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, we have peace because of Christ, is your, your last blank there, has done for us. Okay? Now, obviously, we could go through the entire uh, Old Testament and pick out several, several passages that talk about this. Uh, I just have a, a few. So, um, I'm just going to read off some, and we'll read through these. So, uh, and I'll for 2 Corinthians, we've already read part of this, but 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Who wants to read that? Someone? We're, I'm going to give it to you, so just Jessica's going to read that one. Acts 4 and verse 12. You'll take that one? Okay, Joseph. John 14, 6. And then, uh, Mike, if you want to read First uh, Peter 2.24. And then, Andy, uh, Ephesians 1.7. Okay? So, 2 Corinthians 5.18-21. Man, okay, what, what an amazing, I think that's something that we should have taped uh, to a wall somewhere or in a frame, in that section of verses. We have the righteousness of God because 
of Christ's work on the cross. Amen. Acts 4.12. Okay, so if someone comes to you and says, well, you can be saved um, if you uh, keep the law and if you uh, do, you know, 30 Hail Marys a day or whatever, what verse can you go and tell them? You can go right to Acts 4, 12 and says there is no other name under heaven that we can be saved under and that name is Christ. There is no other name. No other name but the name of Jesus. What a wonderful song. John 14, 6. Very, very, very direct. I am the way. Not, and you've probably heard this statement before. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way, right? Doesn't make the statement, I am a way, a truth, a light. No one can come to me except for the Father. He says, I am the way. When you say the way, that means there is way. It's not a way, it's the way, the truth, the life. He, there is no way to the Father except through the Son. Okay, very big. Peter. Okay, we were healed from what? Our sinful nature. We were dead in our what? Trespasses and sins. We were dead. We had no way of coming alive and knowing the life that we now live as believers. We had no way of knowing that outside of His wounds and His blood being spilled. That's why once a month we do what? We take of the Lord's Supper in remembering of His wounds that were given or that were done for us. That the iniquities of our life, our sins were placed upon him on the cross and so that he could declare us righteous because our sins were paid for by no one else. Why, uh, just a, a Sunday school question here, why was Jesus able to be that sacrifice? Because he was the only one that was able to do the two scenarios that I gave, right? I gave two scenarios. We have to believe that Jesus, believe in Jesus and be saved or live a completely perfect life from the beginning of, uh, at birth to death. Well, Jesus was the only one able to accomplish that deed. And that is why he was able to satisfy God's wrath upon you and I and be able to give us peace with God through Him because of His sacrifice for us. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. Hmm. We have what? 
Redemption through what? His blood. We cannot be saved. We cannot have peace with God without the shedding of Christ's blood. Where else do we, what else, what other verse do we know? Without the what? No, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There had to be a blood sacrifice to cover the sins of mankind so that when God looks upon you and I, what does he see? Innocence. Because that blood has washed away the stain of sin. And we wear white robes in the sight of our God. They are no longer stained. If you and I have trusted Christ as our Savior, we've been given that free gift of salvation through faith. The sin stains on our life have been washed away through His blood. And now we are made white as snow in the sight of God. And because of that, we have peace with God. You should leave today so incredibly encouraged. And we only read one verse out of the Bible. One verse can give so much incredible uh, information and encouragement. Now we could have read that, said, hey, we have peace with God. And now we'll move on to the next place. We have hope with Him. But we would not have been able to get the depth of what Paul is really trying to get at here. That we are justified. This is an immediate act. We are declared innocent before the sight of a holy God by faith. And because of that justification, we have peace with God. And the peace comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. So much in that one little section. So what I want to encourage this morning uh, as we look at that, hopefully you are uh, have a new understanding and a better understanding of the position that you and I have in front of a holy God. The position was before salvation, we were under His wrath and we read those verses talking about God's wrath towards us, Right? that we deserve. And the position that you and I hold now is the position of peace with Him. And He is the one that has given that to us through Jesus Christ. Now, any other comments, thoughts? Uh, anything you guys would like to add to that? You didn't think I was able to do teach a whole lesson in, uh, right? And I'm a, I'm a little early, so we can talk for a minute, or, or we can just fellowship. But does anybody have any other thoughts? We're going to endeavor to get uh, through verses 2 through 5, uh, hopefully, uh, next week. I will try. I'm not, sh- not going to promise. <laughs> we, will attend- we will get somewhere between 2 and 5 next week, okay? Uh, verses two through uh, midway through four, uh, or midway through five, is talking about his hope. Joseph, immediate, an immediate action. It's not something we obtain later.
Any other thoughts? You excited about your position in Christ? We have peace. We're no longer under his wrath. What an amazing uh, position to be in. Amen.